What pleasure does is it actually helps to create regulation in the nervous system when, you know, when done in a way of, of kind of what I'm talking about, these like extended states. And so this starts to create a sustainable way to create a repatterning. Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm Leanna. I am Jared. Jared, yes, you are. <laughs> still Jared. Still Jared. Jared is still here. Do you guys remember in the beginning, if you have followed this podcast from the very beginning, Jared was just kind of like the sidekick. We didn't know if he'd be there for the next episode or not. Sometimes I was here. Sometimes I was gone. I, you know. And here you are a year later. You're just always here now i'm always here and you're like hey remember when you were gone sometimes that was cool so you guys we have such an amazing episode today with um our super sexy and empowered guest Brittany policastro um uh sexually underscore liberated Right? Yes, that is correct. On Instagram, yes. you can also find her on Twitter at Sex Liberated or her brand new website, BrittanyPolicastro.com. Policastro is P O L I C A S T R O. And um, in this interview, we talk about a lot of different topics that come up around sex. Like we talk about Tantra and polyamory. And we have a great vulnerable conversation about STDs. Any, uh, what, what were you going to say, Jared? Uh, super fun conversation with Brittany. Really um, awesome, unique take on some of these topics. Um, you know, just like from her Instagram handle, right? Like sort of empowerment and sexual liberation is a big part. And she does coaching work with people and, um, you know, like individuals and couples and and all sorts of really cool stuff. So. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna chat a little bit in the beginning and then we're going to get right into the, the interview. So speaking of chatting, let's chat a bit in the beginning, we forgot to announce our review winner on yes. last week's episode. So we had a review contest that technically ended February 20th, but I had my surgery on the 19th. And so we just didn't really get around to it. And we announced it on Instagram last week, but forgot to actually put it in the episode. And the winner has not collected their winnings yet. So, Jared, why don't you read a little bit? Why don't you read the review that won? So this is Scout ninety nine. So Scout ninety nine, if you're out there listening, hit us up and collect your your prize. Um, the title of Scout nine nine. <laughs> That's, I'm just going to pretend like you didn't do that. Um, so the title is Love It, five-star review, um, and it reads, Great podcast. I look forward to every episode, just like The Bachelor, but real. And then shrug emoji, and then heart face emoji. Um, you know the face with the hearts around it, <laughs> that that one. Um, and Scout, like, really hitting us on all levels here because we both love The Bachelor and short, sweet, and to the point. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was our winner of our most, most recent yeah. contest. Yeah. You definitely played well yes. to your audience. Yeah. So uh, scout mm -hmm. 99, you 
get a free mug. It's the last OG mug. So you need to contact us to let us know that you want it. Otherwise, yeah, we're otherwise have to have we're going to release this and- mug into the wild. I know. Yeah. So, so contact us, DM or email info at Hello and Goodbye Podcast yeah. um, to claim your mug. And congrats. So, just really quick, guys, for those of you who haven't had a chance to rate and review, it takes 30 seconds. Head over to Apple Podcasts, hit the five stars for us. If you can review, that would be great. The more reviews we get consistently, the more Apple shares our podcasts and the more our podcasts can grow. So, we just really appreciate the time. It's free. And um, yeah, any Mm -hmm. any bit helps. So last week, we also talked about how we brought back the Patreon. So if you have a chance, head over to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash hello and goodbye podcast. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And this is just a way to support the show so that we can continue to not do ads for you guys. So we made a decision last week to not do any more sponsor ads on the show. And uh, we want to be able to do that by having the podcast supported through the Patreon, which is more of a donation site, really. There's one tier. It's three bucks. You can choose your own amount if you want to donate more or less. Um, you just go underneath and it says uh, make a custom pledge. And you can click on that, make a custom pledge as well. And just we would really appreciate if you guys would head over there. And three bucks a month is less than yep. a latte, you know, and yeah, it would and really it, help know, it support the show. It costs money to get the show produced and hosted and all of these things. And so, um, you know, Leanna actually loses money every month just to bring the show to people. And we love doing it. And um, we love the the community that's starting to go around it. And so this decision was really about, like, let's have the show be supported in this kind of like, grassroots community, like crowdfunded kind of model rather than trying to go the sort of corporate sellout like ad model. I mean, we still have sponsors and we love them, but but we don't want to clog the show up with a bunch of ads. So if you can do that custom pledge and you can afford more, that's yeah. awesome. Um, if you can't afford three bucks a month and you can only afford one dollar a month, like that's awesome. Um, if you can't afford to sh- support the show financially, like rate and review and tell your friends and do all that stuff, like hit us up on social media or share our stuff out or whatever. Um, every little bit helps and, and we're just appreciative for, for people yeah. who listen and, and care about the show. Yeah. And all access to everything, our social media, the Patreon, um, the sponsors that we do have for the show that you can definitely still support, um, is all on our website, www.helloandgoodbyepodcast.com. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to talk well, about my I week, or do you want to talk about your um, do you want to talk about, uh, that we're recording this on Monday and we attempted to record this on Sunday? Do you want to like talk about that? <laughs> sure. I didn't know if you were going to bring that up. I mean, I not. think like I was thinking about it today and I, like part of me was like, oh, I wish we had just left the mics on, but, um, you know, I mean like, yeah, mm. wouldn't, it, but yeah. You know, I'm starting to get a little self-conscious about. I feel like I'm crying in like every episode now. And I'm like, I don't want you guys to think that like, I'm just this like crying sob of a mess. And you're like, Oh, here's another episode where Leanna breaks down and cries again, you know? And so basically what happened is, um, 
we were supposed to record the intro yesterday, which is a Sunday. And I just had a really bad day. I was going through a lot of stuff. I got hit really hard. Um, I'm realizing that the surgery, you know, the surgery, the injury was a lot of kind of that trauma body keeps Mm. the score stuff for me. The injury happened at the time when I was in the throes of my divorce and there was a lot of negativity around it. And then the injury just stuck with me through the throes of horrible dating and horrible guys and everything. And um, I think I'm, I'm releasing a lot of grief from having the surgery and I'm finding that I'm like crying every day. And I mean, not to mention like the surgery happened like a month and a half after a breakup from a really, emotionally draining Mm -hmm. relationship. Um, And and then I started a new job that's like really, really hard. And it sometimes I feel inadequate, like I'm not doing enough. And so anyway, um, yesterday, I had been gone all day Saturday, I had gone to meet a guy, which I hope we get to hear about that didn't. Yeah, well, it didn't. So it was really He was really cool. He was a nice guy. This was the guy that I had talked last week about how Mm -hmm. we had a FaceTime date. FaceTime date went great. Super cool guy. Like just, just like an inspiration of like what he's been through in his life and how hard he's worked at like to get to the point where he is now. He's very um, emotionally aware of where he is. And so we ended up meeting and just the romantic chemistry Mm. just wasn't there for me. And, um, I felt a lot of expectation and pressure the whole week because I could tell like he was really, really, really into it and wanted to text all the time and wanted to FaceTime a lot. And I was trying, I kept trying to put the brakes on because I know for me, I have two reactions to this. One is if I really like them, um, then I get anxious if they don't text me enough. If I'm not sure and they really like me, then I'm like anxious if they're texting me too much. So it's, it's, I think it's a little bit of that disorganized attachment. Yeah, I also think that doesn't make you like weird or crazy. I mean, I think that's a lot of people, right? Like, I mean, I think, I think, I think most people can relate to being on both sides of that coin, you know? Yeah, totally. I think, I think how it's different though is I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, I don't know. It just, it consumes me that I'm going to hurt this person. And I would so much rather like be hurt than hurt someone because he was such a cool guy. So anyway, sorry, I'm like so hot. (laughs) I need to take this. Yeah. Leanna is managing, taking off a layer and then putting her uh, headphones back in. Yeah. (laughs) So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for the commentary. So anyway, I just, you know, at the end of our time together, I just said, you know, I want you to know I've had such a great time. I don't know where I'm at, though. And I'm open to meeting up again, but I don't feel comfortable if we were to continue forward in like kind of texting all the time and FaceTiming all the time because that's oh, not so, what so you said I this on right the now. date or like at the meetups kind of like as you were yes. saying goodbye. OK, wow. Good. Yes. Good for you for being mm-hmm. so like honest and straightforward. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, I think we teach this to, yeah. like, be really honest with someone. And so 
he he was a little confused by it. I think maybe how I worded it. And so he ended up kind of leaving. He said, well, let's not make any plans. Let's kind of just, you know, go from here. And I think maybe like as a protection, like he kind of felt jolted mm-hmm. by what I said. And so he didn't want to like make plans because he didn't want sure. me to cancel them because they would be hurt. Right. So, um, so he, he called me like an hour later and was like, Hey, I just, I feel like I need to clear something up. Like, I don't really like how that ended with us. And we talked like it was fun. Like it was a very like secure way to go about yep. the situation. Right. I felt like two adults who like communicated very openly very cool. and basically, um, so basically though, I just messaged him this morning and said, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about the situation. I just, I know I'm not where you are. And I, I just don't think that right now is the time for me to continue to meet up with you when I'm just not, I just know Mm. I can't get there. And he was very understanding about it. And, um, and we essentially like, I don't know that I, I am totally open to continuing communication, but right now, like I just need, I need to breathe because it just kind of consumed me. Um, And then like I had got back from that day and I got like this big bill in the mail for my surgery. And I had some things that I had on my schedule that ended up canceling. And I, I just, it was just like one thing after the other. And I just, I've been working so hard and I just felt super flooded. And we sat down to record this intro and I just, I wasn't in the right headspace. And I just like, I had to stop us. And I was mm. like, just started crying. And I just couldn't, like, I just felt very, um, like I felt defeated. I just felt really defeated. And I woke up today feeling kind of under the weather. And, um, you know, one thing about me is that when I'm feeling blue or I'm feeling depressed, I, I know now that I'm not always going to feel that way. And so, you know, even though I woke up feeling that way, I knew there were certain things I could do throughout my day Mm. that would get me out of that. And one of the things that I do is to be proactive about figuring out how to fix things. So I called my insurance and we got the whole thing figured out. They basically hadn't billed my insurance for something. And so I called the doctor and they're like, oh yeah, we didn't have your updated insurance card and it got covered. And I'm like, and I'm like, this is amazing. But also like, could you have called me maybe before sending this bill (laughs) and giving me a heart attack? Um, So that got taken care of. And then I just, I, I had like some extra cash from um, a gift and some, a garage sale we had. And I went and I bought like a couple tops today at a, sh- at a shop because I knew that would like make me feel like I had something new and something exciting. And, you know, I just, um, I know how to kind of get myself out of it. And I am definitely feeling better. Um, I think just sending that text and kind of cutting off, just letting him know where I was at and, I am still talking to a couple other people online, but like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to create ways in my life to allow for space for me to breathe. And I don't think, I think I, 
started recovering from my surgery, I'm like, okay, well, I've got this new job and I've got these other jobs and I'm like, I need to make money and I, and like, I'm ready to date and like all this stuff. And, and I just, I just Mm. flooded my life. And then it like, just was, it kind of, I don't know. So. Yeah. Sometimes like life gives us that, like, Hey, like maybe slow down, you know? And, and I think, you know, but I mean, I, 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 I appreciate you sharing that because a number one, um, nobody listening thinks that you cry all the time or are just a like puddle. Um, so you, I bet you anything. There's someone listening. That's like, Oh my God. That's can Leanna true. just get it together? Anyone who feels like that, by the way, is definitely no longer listening. <laughs> Anyone who's like, what's with all this like sensitive <laughs> crap? Like they stopped listening a long time ago. Um, yeah. But so, so, so nobody feels like that. And, and I think, you know, we always try to on this show, like be really real and, and really, um, you know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, it's also like we have to be ready to do the show and be prepared and bring a certain energy. And, and so, um, you know, and it just wasn't working last night. And so we decided to start over again tonight, which happens sometimes. But um, I think like, I don't know, I think you sharing that you're like really going through like the ups and downs and like even just what you shared about the process of this surgery and all the stuff that this injury brings up and is tied up with for you and everything like that. I mean, that's, that's something that, Jesus, so many people can relate to right now. Like we're a year into quarantine and I just feel like everybody's going through it. So I think it's cool that you were willing to share that. Mm -hmm. Thanks, friend. Thanks for putting (laughs) me on the spot. (laughs) No, you're, no, you're fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I just, I'm just, I think if you've been listening to the show for a while, I'm just going through a rough spot. Mm -hmm. It's just been rough, you know, breakup and surgery and pandemic. And Jared's going through a rough spot, a rough spot. Mm -hmm. You went through a breakup and we're all in a pandemic. I mean, it's just hard. It's hard. And, you know, we want to make sure that we are making you guys laugh, but also like, you know, like we're not always happy. We're not, we can't always just show up and put on a face. And I think that's, I think that's why our listeners are drawn to the show because we don't just do that all the time. Like we're, we're naturally like happy, bubbly people, but like we go through shit too. And I think it's important for us to be open. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, everybody does. And, 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 and hopefully, you know, and I'm, I'm sure people, heard what you just shared, you know, about the place that you're in and, and people hear that and it makes them feel less alone in what they're going through. Right. And that's, and that's our hope. And that's why we love doing this show. So. Yeah. So I guess, you know, some things coming up is I have potentially two FaceTime calls this week. Oh, with dudes. Are you excited about them? Yeah. There's one I'm like really excited about. He seems like a really, really cool guy. So like, I'm kind of like crossing my mm-hmm. fingers that there's chemistry there. Um, the other one, I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, let's let's try it. it. Oh my gosh, actually, I have a funny story about him. So um, so the other one that I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, he's cool, but I don't know. He asked me 
I didn't even prompt him. He asked me what my Enneagram is. Wow. And you were like, oh, I've always wanted to be asset. I know. I'm like, how do you know about the Enneagram? So this is what's really funny. And he said, what Enneagram are you? And I said, a seven. I said, a seven wing eight. And he was like, well, how much eight do you have? And I said, I have a lot. And he's like, ooh. <laughs> and he basically was like, I don't get along well with eights. And he ah. almost like canceled me. And I'm like, uh. I feel like you're putting me in an eight box and I'm a seven. And um, no, it was just actually, it was like a kind of a funny conversation. I think Dave Glazer would think that is like hilarious. Dave, if you're I listening, I know that's hi. great. Um, and if you're listening and you're not sure what the Enneagram is, we have an episode with Dave Glazer about the Enneagram. And it's basically just like a personality like assessment. And it's really just fun to kind of dive into it. But um, yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny that like, he almost reminds me a little bit of like, he's almost like preemptively ending things before they start because he's typing me as like a certain type. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I'm not going to get along with her because she's an eight. Sorry, if you have no idea what we're talking about, go read up on the Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. It's so fun. You can go to EnneagramInstitute.com. Highly recommend. Very cool. Okay, friend, what's going on in your life? Uh, I got my first dose of the COVID vaccine, so that's very exciting. Woo-woo! Yep, I posted on social media. So anybody out there, I know a lot of people have had like, and you might have even said this on the show, Leanna, like have had like mixed feelings. Every person who gets vaccinated makes the rest of us a little bit safer. So don't be like, well, there's people who need it more. Just go. If there's vaccine doses available in your area, go and get vaccinated. And you qual- yeah, and you qualify. And yeah, you qual- yeah, and actually a lot, like I like newly qualified just in the past few weeks, like under the rules in our County and stuff like that. And so, and -hmm. I know that that's kind of happening all over. So people should go do that. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm at the post breakup stage where I'm, uh, have redownloaded Bumble and hinge and I'm doing, I, I feel like I always start doing some swiping, but actually don't like, I have like no intention of like starting anything. I don't know why I just like start looking. Is that weird? Um, I mean, I think you, I think it would be interesting if you sat down and like figure out why, like, are you just looking because you're looking for a distraction and you're not wanting to deal with your emotions? Probably. Oh my goodness. You're so funny. I just, I think it's like, I, I'm now talking to a few people, but it took a long time. And I am like, every time you go on, you're like talking to like multiple people. I'm like, how, like (laughs) how? Maybe my distance (laughs) filters are are wider than yours. I don't know. Mine's up like 60 miles. Okay. I don't know. I just want to say, I want to say that I have shown up pretty, just coming back to me. Um, <laughs> I've sh- I feel like I've shown up pretty secure to this round of like online dating. Good for Other you. than like my anxiety with this past guy, which really like I, the anxiety was there, but I communicated with him in a very secure mm. way. But like I'm, if the guy's like, hey, it's like a really long distance for me. I don't think I'm feeling it. I'm like, okay, bye. Yeah. Like if they're not interested in me or they're not interested in conversation, then I'm like, whatever. Like the two guys that I'm talking to now have been very responsive. And I, w- I, I was, I said to both of them, I said, Hey, you want to do like a FaceTime call? And they were like, yeah, totally. And like, now we're texting, you yeah. know? And so 
That's it's cool. like I just want to I just want to remind you guys like don't put your don't put your energy in something that's not matching your energy. Yes. Like they're not worth it. And don't there's, there's so many other people out there. Yeah, and if you're doing if you start doing like if you start like jumping on the abs to like feel better, you will always feel worse. Like it you know what I'm saying? 100%. Like, you have to have no like attachment like to Yes what this says about like your ego or your worth. And you have to have yes. no like um, attachment to like, I, I have to find someone or like, e- even if you're mm-hmm. like, should I, w- do I like this person or not? Like blah, blah, just gut instinct. First, first thing. Like yes. if it's a no, it's a no. There's there, like abundance mindset, right? There's so many people out there. Like, yes. Well, even like a week ago, I was saying that, you know, I was feeling kind of frustrated because no one was like liking me or matching me or having conversations. So I just removed the app from my phone Mm -hmm. and I like took 48 hours and I just like sat in with myself and then I'm like, okay, I'm feeling better. And I put the app back on and I was able to show up differently. So it's like, you can even, uh, now I have my apps on snooze mode because I'm talking to these two guys. I don't have time in my schedule to think about more than that. So I'm going to talk to the two guys. I'm going to figure out if they're going to work out or not. If they don't work out, then I'll reactivate my accounts. If they do, then I'll keep it on snooze. You know, it's like, it's just, you just have to show up with that secure mindset. And then you're more likely going to attract secure people. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, so yeah, I'm just, I'm not really like seriously pursuing anything or whatever. And it's like, it is interesting. I, I think it is kind of like a distracting thing because I had to like, in the past five days, I've I've retold the story like in full detail of the breakup to like two people in my mm. life. You know, I mean, both in a good way. Like these are people who care about me or whatever. Just like going back through it is like, eh. Um, it's hard. Yeah, you know, I mean, but it's, it's so interesting because... I'm hurt and I'm bummed and I'm bummed that I feel like I I guess for a few reasons, but I also know like deep down, I know like I did my best. Like I, I really like worked on the relationship and like cared about the other person and like hung in there when it got tough, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And ultimately, like I said, like, where I was and what I needed and the other person wasn't able to meet me there, you know, I think, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, um, uh, even though she's like a wonderful human being and I have like nothing but, you know, good feelings and, and good wishes towards her or whatever. Um, but you know, like it's tough. It is what it is. So of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're only like what, three weeks past. Good, good question. (laughs) Two weeks? Two and a half? Uh, I feel like three. Three, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think three. Yeah. Which, so, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, friend, for what you're going through. At least you have The Bachelor to look forward to. That is true. We've got uh, hometown dates and the finale and all that stuff. So No, hometown dates already happened. We've got overnights. Oh, that's what, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Fantasy suites, even better than hometowns. Yes, exactly. All right, you guys. Well, we know you're going to love this interview, so we can't wait for you to hear it, and we'll see you at the end. 
Okay, I am so excited to bring on our next guest. She has been facilitating transformation for the past 17 years while showing others that living your life authentically can often look way different than society expects of us. In addition to being polyamorous, kink positive, bisexual, and child-free. She's a sexual liberation and relationship coach, a sexologist, a practitioner of authentic tantra, a writer, and a yoga teacher. Over the past 16 years, she has guided thousands of people into releasing the stories that stifle them, heal the wounds and stigmas that define them so that they can live an orgasmic, authentic life in every possible way. Thank you for being here, (laughs) Brittany Policastro. Woohoo! Hello. Thank you for having me. I was like, as I was reading that intro, I was like getting more and more excited about this conversation. (laughs) I was like, I wanted to be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So do you know Jared? No, we don't know each other. We have mutual friends. But you have a mutual friend. Okay. So that's, and so then we kind of got introduced to you through our mutual friend. Yes. Through my, um, my anchor partner, my husband's partner, actually. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. So um, do you want to take off with this, Jared? Uh, sure, I'll take the first okay. question. So your, Brittany, your Instagram handle is sexually liberated. It and is, I'm wondering yeah. if you can, maybe a good place to start is, can you tell us about the concept of sexual liberation? Yes. So um, it's funny because I was sitting on that handle for a while. Um, not because it was just my name for like a really long time. And I was so excited to, to create that shift. And it was just kind of waiting, biding my time to make that shift. And I was so surprised that it was actually available to me on Instagram because I think it's such a powerful it's amazing. concept. And so it just felt like it was meant for me. Um, and so sexually liberated really comes from my own personal experience of, um, I also sometimes say, you know, like my own sexual revolution, uh, mm. which started about four and a half years ago when like, I opened my relationship and uh, of that point, like five years and just started to move into a space of, and at that point I was like 36 years old, maybe. Um, and so I was moving into this space of looking at myself as a sexual being in a much, much different way than I ever, ever had before and moving into my sexuality in a way that I had never had before, starting to explore kink, starting to explore my bisexuality, which for, you know, until that time I was not really connected to. Um, I look back now and see a lot of my um, friendships, not all of them, but some of them when I was younger, I'm like, huh, that was something mm. different. And mm. so what happened was there was this opportunity for me to look at myself and explore myself from this sexual lens. And then I kept doing that. And then I started to understand that doing that um, is a really healing practice and that we can use our sexuality and we can use sexual practices and you know Tantra, which is something that I, you know, I work with, the methodologies around Tantra to actually heal ourselves. And to me, when we can get in a space where we are consciously healing ourselves, that is liberation. Like that is the experience of, of liberating ourselves. So liberating ourselves through healing, liberating ourselves through being our authentic selves, which oftentimes isn't what society tells us we should be. 
society tells us we should be on an escalator, you know, we should do this, and then we should do this, and then we should do this, and then we will be happy. But there's so many people that are doing those things, and they're not happy. And not only are they not happy, but they're deeply dissatisfied with their lives. And that's because we've been taught to believe something that really is bullshit. Am I allowed to curse on here? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, yes please do. Yes. No. Good. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's bullshit. And so to me, you know, it's, it's liberating ourselves is necessary to live a full life. But sexual liberation is this like deeper layer because sex is so repressed, even though, you know, we see it and we're talking about it and there's so much more sex education out there than ever before, but still, it's still oftentimes in this like dark shadowed space within ourselves, even pieces of it, because that's what we were taught to push it and to put it down. And that was my experience that, you know, I grew up uh, Catholic and, you know, there was rules around when I was supposed to have sex and I needed to be in love and all of these things. And there was so much shame around all of that. And so that is really my own experience with sexual liberation and how I work with my clients and students, you know, and participants in workshops to start to understand like what is possible when we move through um, like our trauma and we move through our conditioning, especially around Mm -hmm. sex. Mm. That's so interesting. Well, and I think, uh, you know, my next question was going to be about like, what if you can take us through that journey, because even when you, you know, where you first started is this point when you're 36, and you really sort of embrace this stuff in a deeper way. But I imagine at that point, like, even when you were 36, like you weren't like the sort of good Catholic girl still going to church and everything. So so you had, you know, and, and I relate to this with my journey of it's a process of unlearning and like dropping yeah. bullshit that no longer serves you along the way. And so can Absolutely. you just kind of walk us through like that journey? <laughs> sure. So, you know, I think for most of my, my 20s, I was, um, you know, I was like the conventionally attractive hot girl who wanted to be the most attractive person in the room and wanted all this attention from men. And I often got it. And um, it validated me in a way that uh, wasn't really that healthy because I was really giving my power away to these people because I was, Mm. was um, really, when we, when we, go down to like the depths of it. I was just looking for safety. I was looking for, you know, to feel loved and through feeling loved to feel safe. And so, you know, that was really happening. Um, But, you know, even further beyond that, before that, um, when I was 21, I contracted um, HSV, genital herpes. Um, I contracted HSV Mm one, but I, it was genital herpes. And at that point, that's all that mattered because there wasn't a lot of understanding around it um, mm-hmm. back then. Um, luckily, that's changing and the stigma mm-hmm. is starting to shift, but it's just mm-hmm. still so heavy. Um, and so, you know, that really having an STI was like part of my sexual story, like from almost the beginning, because I, you know, I lost my rigidity at 18 and, and in such a, you know, good way, I made my boyfriend wait until we were, and even how I say that I made my boyfriend wait because right, right, he no. wanted to wait. I mean, he wasn't pushing it, but that's like this, even that, right. Is this like, that's what it felt like. Like I need to be a good Catholic girl and I want to have sex, but I want to wait to have sex 
because at least that's something. Because, you know, before that it was like, well, you know, I had a chastity pin and I was like, because I went to all, you know, all girls Catholic school and I was like, I'm not going to have sex at all because I'm going to wait till marriage. That lasted for about maybe the second boy that I kissed. And then I was just like, oh, that's not happening. <laughs> because I was like, but there's a third boy. The first two, they weren't that great a kisser. So I was like, oh, I can do this. And then I, you know, I met the boy that was just like, you know, like it made like all the things happen in all the places. And I started to realize <laughs> that that was not something I wanted to subscribe to anymore. So then I had to like piece together how I was still going to like m- not feel shame basically for these choices that I wanted to have for being a sexual being, which we totally are from, you know, very, very early on in our lives, most mm-hmm. of us, right? And so I had to kind of rearrange how I was going to do it. So it was like, okay, well, I'm going to do all the other things. Right? I'm going to do all those other things. Because in my mind at that point, they weren't sex, even though newsflash, all the things are sex, right? It's not just PIV intercourse. It's all sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, that, in my mind, I was like, okay, I cannot have intercourse and still be that good Catholic girl and get that approval that I'm seeking, right? Um, and then it was like, okay, well, if I have sex, I have to have sex with my boyfriend and we wait for eight months right and I did all those things and then you know three years later I contracted general herpes and so I was like oh great okay followed all the rules kind of and still this happened and so that was really part of my sexual story for a really long time it was a way that I um it was a way that I I reinforced certain ideologies that I had, like uh, belief systems, like I wasn't worthy of love and that, you know, um, I had to, to earn my love. I have an anxious, uh, preoccupied attachment style. If you guys know anything mm-hmm. about yes. attachment We're style. big on attachment. Theory. Yeah, I love attachment, yeah. theory, attachment styles. And, and so um, that was a way this like herpes became a tool for me to be like, oh, like this is a way for me to feed that belief that I'm not enough and that I'm not mm. worthy of love. And mm. so that was, that was a good part of my 20s. I started meeting guys who just like would be really into me, but then I would tell them and then they wouldn't be into me anymore. <clears throat> and then that was really challenging. And, you know, mm. um, I didn't have sex for almost like two years. Like I didn't have intercourse for almost like two years. And then I went away and did this huge trip where I went to Brazil, Tanzania and India and uh, came back. And I started to, you know, the, my head was kind of blown off my shoulders on that trip. And I had some really deep spiritual experiences. And, you know, at that point, I, I, at this point, I've been teaching yoga for 17 years. So I've always really been on a spiritual path for since I was in my early 20s. Um, and it's evolved over the years. But shortly, about a year after that, I met my husband and, you know, now my husband, and we, he's a, you know, a securely functioning attachment style. And we got into this really lovely relationship where I felt safe. And, you know, our, our relationship has never been that like, knock your socks off, like, you know, uh, can't wait to rip your clothes off relationship. We've had great sex and we have an amazing communication and, and a companionate love for each other. But it's, you know, because there's a security in that relationship, there wasn't something that was, you know, I was, um, super activated and charged all the time, which oftentimes can affect that particular kind of sex that feels very addictive. And we Mm. didn't have that. Mm. And so, um, which, you know, which was good for me. I I was feeling balanced and healthy and relaxed. 
Uh, and then, you know, about five years in, we decided to open up our relationship. It took a while and it took me a while because, uh, you know, the relationship where I wound up contracting HSV uh, was also super emotionally abusive and controlling. Mm. And um, that was for like, you know, my early 20s and lasted for like three years. And mm. so, you know, after that, I wound up just wanting to fuck anybody I could get my hands on because I was just so suppressed and repressed. Mm. And so, you know, with my, with my husband, it was this me making sure that I was, it was safe for me to like other people. It was safe for me to feel attracted to other people. And that, you know, my, my sexuality, which is often felt very big in many ways, loud and big and messy, that that was safe to expand, you know, in this way. And so then we opened up our relationship and then all hell broke loose because basically I started seeking out <laughs> those avoidant attachment style people who would give me this amazing sex and, um, you know, this false sense of intimacy. But it was starting to just the tumult. It was so tumultuous that it started to eat into, you know, to my relationship and, and all of these things. But at the same time, like I'm experiencing myself and kink and, uh, you know, starting to connect with my bisexuality and starting to really see and embody myself as a sexual being. And, you know, that happened for a while. And then, you know, my husband and I started going to therapy and we started to really explore some of these things. And then I got into, um, you know, I, I took this year and a half long journey with um, something called Authentic Tantra, which um, is very, very deep potent medicine, which really works with our energy body and our somatic, you know, um, somatic body and somatic healing. And that for me was really a game changer in how um, I further embodied my sexuality, but also just embodied myself. I started to understand how to regulate myself, that I don't have to resource safety from other people and, and from relationships, right? I can I can do that for myself. I can advocate for myself and and meet my own needs. And that, you know, that is really important in our sexual relationships as well, because sex can really like shake shit up, especially mm -hmm. when things like kink are involved, right? Mm -hmm. Like we go into these things and we're like, yeah, whatever, woo. But it's we are we are humans who most of us on this planet have trauma and have belief systems and have all of these things. And then we, we meet other people and we bump into them and <laughs> we grind into them sometimes. <laughs> and all hell tends to break loose because we're just not aware of how, you know, much projection is going on and how much bullshit and how we're trying to get our needs met from other people. And so that's really been my journey into like where I am right now. Wow. So I have, like I have so I many questions. <laughs> That's not even all of it. I was trying to like, like kind of like. <laughs> I was just mesmerized the whole time. Can I go first? Go, of okay. course. <clears throat> I don't know how. So first of all, I want to thank you for being so open and honest. Yeah. Um, and thank you for being honest about, you know, your experience with genital, genital herpes and mm -hmm. how you contracted that. I agree that it's there's just this huge stigma that's it's really unfortunate. I mean, it's 
you know, there's jokes about it in comedy and um, it's seen as dirty and unclean. And yet, like, doesn't something like 70% of the population have either HSV2 or HSV1? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. it's even more than that. Um, a, a friend of mine who has an amazing, amazing um, page on Instagram following, her name's Emily DePass. Um, she, um, her, her handle is sex education. She really is like, part of her like existence is to break the stigmas around um, HSV and, um, and, and STIs in general, because they're just, um, they're so damaging and they're so like, not the, not the STI, the, the STI is just the STI. It's all the stuff that we pile on top mm-hmm. of it. Um, and, you know, for me, a big, a big piece in that was I, um, I wrote an article about it. I wrote a blog because I have a blog and, it, you know, where I talk about my breakthroughs and it was one of the first pieces I wrote and then it got on Huffington Post and, you know, it went like kind of viral, not like millions, but it, it went out there pretty far. And, you know, I still, that was five years ago and I still get messages from people who are just devastated by by this, by having, mm. you know, an STI and, and, um, and there's just so much like nuance around it too, around the stigma, like, like it's okay if you have a cold sore, but not if it's on your genitals, even though right. literally you can, you can go down on somebody and give them, you know, exactly. genital herpes. That's how I got it. Right. So, you know, it's, mm. it's, yeah. all bullshit. It, yeah. it's all bullshit. And I have n- a number of people in my life who have genital herpes or, um, you know, cold sores. Mm-hmm. And I don't think differently of them, you know? So I guess my question is, um, if you could maybe break a couple more, and we don't have to talk about this forever because there's so sure. many other things I want to talk about, but if you could break some of the stigmas of, um, you know, how to approach maybe coming to a new partner, if you have genital herpes, um, what, you know, how, what, how to handle maybe negative reactions, um, Mm. how to ensure that your partner stays safe, you know, um, and you know, I, I, safe is probably not the right word, but, um, you know, you know, you probably understand what I mean. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I do want to reiterate the person, like the person I just spoke of Emily to pass because like, there's no one out there doing it better. And I'm almost in a place now because I used to write about it and stuff a lot. And I'm almost in a place where she's done so much research that I'm like, it's just, so if you want that like resource base, it's sex education. It's amazing. Um, You know, I think I, I think I do follow her. And I think I, yeah, I think I followed her because I saw you. I think, yeah, I think there's like a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. So she's great, but you know, I mean, I've had it for 18 years at this point, so I can absolutely speak around it. Um, the biggest thing that I, that I tell people that is, you know, I mentioned when I was in my twenties that a lot of what happened was like, I would tell someone and then they would reject me. It wasn't even, it was like my later twenties, my earlier twenties. I didn't even really understand that. Like you could spread it to someone if you were asymptomatic and you should be telling people before you do anything. Like I didn't understand that. And so like, I didn't always tell people because I didn't think, I thought you maybe just had to have an outbreak and that was that. And so that was like, that was like my first quarter of having, of having herpes. And then my second quarter, or yeah, my second quarter of having herpes was telling everybody and most of them rejecting me as a result, mm. but like not talking to me about it even. Like it, they would still date me, but then like 
we wouldn't, they would like slowly stop touching me. And then like, I wouldn't talk about it either because back then I was not as good at communication as I am now. And so, you know, the thing about it was, and because I remember I said, like, I was using having herpes as a way to, to reinforce certain beliefs that I had about myself that I didn't know. It's not like I was like, Hey, I'm Brittany and I'm unworthy of love. And you know, like I need safety from other people. Cause I don't know how to get it from myself. Like I didn't know that, but it was something that was embedded in me. And that piece of myself saw that as a really great way to reinforce it. And so when mm-hmm. I told someone, I told them like, you know, it was like the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I led like that. I yeah, led. like, like uh, using the like somebody has cancer voice. You're yes, like, and like I didn't want to say that, like, but like, yeah, yeah. But basically, you know, like like it was like grave and heavy, and like you know, oh my god, I have to tell you this, and I hope you still like me, and and I hope you'll be able to look past this horrible thing that I have. Now, when I tell people, and you know, the the really awesome, like interesting thing is that once I I you know. My husband and I went through a whole thing when I told him, like he, you know, and now he's just like, I don't know why I had like such a thing. Because, and I know why, because it, he wasn't educated about it because sure. there's no education. And so mm-hmm. and now there is, but there wasn't. And so, you know, he had a hard time with it, but we worked through it. But like, you know, the first year of our relationship, like we used saran wrap for, <laughs> you know, for oral sex and and even mm. it's actually not that big of a deal, but I took it as like, it was a big deal. I was, you know, it, it was embarrassing and it was, I, I just further reinforced all the shit that I wanted to reinforce. That was the perspective I chose to take. And so once I wrote that article and came out about it and was like, you know what? Like, this is just a thing. It doesn't have to define me. Um, that was a big piece. And then when we opened our relationship, you know, cause like, I thought that I would never have to have this conversation again. Sure. <laughs> Cuz yeah. I, you know, I was like I've met my person and we're going to be monogamous and then all of a sudden we're not and then all of a sudden here we are me having to have this conversation not just like again sometimes but like again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Right? And so mm-hmm. what I noticed though was that in all the time that I've been polyamorous and that I have told partners maybe one had a part had a, had an issue with it maybe and mm. 90% of them now you know first of all you're in polyamory a lot of times like there's this understanding that people are having probably more sex than you know if they're in a monogamous relationship with different partners and you understand that there's you're assuming a, a, some risk there right that this is what happens and so it's it's not as big of a deal people are having these conversations all the time um and so you know it just i led in a much different way because i didn't I wasn't using it in that way anymore because I set myself free from that. And so when I told people about it, it, you know, and now when I tell people about it, I, it's not even me telling them that I have this. It's me saying, we need to have the talk about STIs and the last time you've been tested. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of times I do it on text message. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, um, you know, it's, um, if you, if you do, you know, Emily says this, like, Somebody could take a screenshot of it. So if anonymity is an issue, then that's not something that maybe you want to do. But clearly I talk about it all the time, so I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, like sometimes, you know, I'm not, I don't just like drop the, I don't just like, so you're like, hey, how was your day? By the way, I have herpes. But 
I really had a nice time, nice dinner last night. Also, I have HSV. What do you have? Like, I don't do that. But I'm like, what are you having for dessert? (laughs) I'm having herpes. Like, (laughs) you know, like that's not happening. I'm not doing that. But I am saying, like, hey, this is what I usually do. I usually say, hey, on text. Um, I'd like to, I'd I'd like to have um, a talk about STIs and getting tested and all of that stuff. Would you like to have it on text or would you like to have it over the phone? And I and I let them because I'm cool with either. And then they're like, I'm cool with over the phone or I'm cool with text. And then we have it. And then, you know, sometimes people send me emails of like their test results. Sometimes they're just, you know, and then I just say like, I have HSV1. I've had it for 18 years. I haven't had an outbreak in 12. And, you know, it's very, it's, <laughs> sorry, yeah, bless you. Um, you know, and I'm like, if, you know, if you're, if you've ever had a cold sore, it's basically the same thing. You know, I say these things, but you know, even that, like even me doing that is me like mitigating it a little bit. Like, like, Oh, HSV one isn't as bad as HSV two. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. You know, so I even call myself out on those kind of stigmas that happen, even though Mm -hmm. I've had it for so long. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, I just, I just say that these are things we do to try to like manipulate and make people realize it's not that big of a deal, but it's not that big of a deal. And the reason why is, you know, it's the stigma. Is it, is in polyamorous relationships, um, is it pretty, is it common that everyone's using protection or? I mean, I can't speak to everyone, but you know, it's usually, yes, where you, you know, protection is used. Um, and we have a conversation around that, right? Like, you know, for all the partners I've had, like we, it's usually for intercourse, we're using protection we're using condoms um as far as you know dental tams and things like that that's not something that i use anymore um but there are people like there that is something that we you can still have a conversation around and it's can totally be done and i've you know my husband and i used dental dams for the first year of a relationship and you know i still had like orgasms and experienced pleasure and all of those things um and so uh but yes like in my experience like that's i would I wouldn't be with someone who wasn't practicing safe sex. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, you know, if somebody wants to be fluid bonded, which is, you know, having sex without protection, then conversations need to be had around that because you're recognizing that everything that you do with your partner, like that affects their partners, you know, and like your metamors, which is like your partner's partner. Yeah, exactly. So you just have to recognize that. You have to recognize, but oftentimes people that are, you know, ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous, right? There's a little different, um, that there's an awareness of that already mm-hmm. much more than in, in, um, just regular monogamous relationships, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I loved from talking to Aaron is like, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that in those kinds of relationships, there's a higher bar for communication and yes. trust. And, and I'm like, well, everybody, even people in conventional monogamous relationships or, or conventional dating towards monogamous relationships, like should be having these kinds of like very open conversations. And, and we don't. And I think that leads to just a ton of misunderstanding and just bullshit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really love mm. that kind of just super, um, casual, like, Hey, listen, we need to have this conversation. It's really important. Do you want to have it over text or over phone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I do that with guys that I start dating anyway, you know, I mean, I would not want to have sex with someone that we haven't had an STI conversation. Yeah. And if they're not bringing them up, then 
I definitely don't want to have sex yeah. with them. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's so important. And, really? you know, I just feel like, I feel like with, but actually I'm not gonna make that stigma, but I feel like if you're gonna, if you're gonna have sex with someone and then you find out maybe there's an STI later, you don't have a right. I don't think that you can be mad at that person because it's your responsibility too yes. to bring up that conversation. Absolutely. Um, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's definitely both. It's uh, both. It's both people's yeah. responsibilities. hundred percent. Yeah. Can, can I open up about something? Please. Okay. Um, I haven't shared this yet. And it, it's so weird because it like feels like something really um, scary to share, but like mm-hmm. I would w- have HPV. Like I have a, a sure. um, strain of it that I got from my ex-husband. He was the first person I ever slept with. And, um, and I've had it just, you know, we have to check it to make sure it doesn't turn cancerous. That's mm-hmm. basically what it is. But the, the OBGYN and the nurses have talked about it so casually to me because yeah. So many people have HPV. So many and people don't even know. Men are carriers of HPV, and there's no test to tell that they have it. No. So, like, there's if you're having, now, though, which is great, there's vaccines now. There's vaccines, yes, and great. and I I wish that I would have gotten it right, oh, yeah. but my you know, um, and actually, you could still get it today if it if mm-hmm. you want to. Um, but I remember I I've told some guys. Uh, sometimes before sex, sometimes after. And, sure. um, and and sometimes after because I don't even think about it because yeah. it's so blasé and like the nurse, mm. you know, like it's just so common. Like mm-hmm. if you're having sex with someone, you probably are going to get HPV at some point. And um, I've had a couple guys be so freaked out and mad at me. And I was just like, listen, like you could literally have HPV right now. Sure. And not know. And, you know, it's like, I mean, now I'm to the point where I talk about it beforehand, but I was kind of like, kind of like, I just didn't know enough about it because it's not something that's really talked about. Um, Same with me when in, you know, in my twenties, what I just didn't, I just didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) So I just, I just think it's so important to have these conversations, you know, um, and, and then obviously, obviously like go to your doctor, go get tested. Um, make sure, you know, get your pap smears and men go get tested as well Mm -hmm. and just be consistent about that. So, you know, the best thing we can do is be proactive about our health and, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and as a guy too, I would say, cause I, I don't know if it's, I don't know what's common practice, but because, you know, it's interesting that women see an OBGYN that should like kind of, that's a, a ritual that like really is geared towards your sexual and reproductive health. Mm-hmm. And no such thing exists for men. And so as a man, what I would say to other men is like, make sure you ask your doctor very specifically at every annual physical you have. Or if you don't get regular physical, anytime you go to the doctor, just be like, I could I have a full STI screen? Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's very easy. Absolutely. But like, if I don't bring it up, my doctor doesn't bring it up. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I um, mean, I would go as far as to say like, if you're, if you're having sex, you know, with more than one person, even if you're not like, cause you never know, I would say like every six months is just like yes. a good, you know, yes. four to six months. is just a good barometer. It's just to, to get 
know, COVID threw yeah. me off a little bit when we were locked in our homes while well, we still are, <laughs> but when we were really locked in the beginning, but then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make this happen, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, that's just kind of what I recommend is just to make it like a consistent thing. Yeah. And if you have good insurance, like I was yeah. super freaked out about it for a while. Cause I was married. I have a similar background to you. I grew up sure. super conservative, married my first boyfriend. Um, we did have sex before marriage, but like it was okay because we got married and, um, and then I got divorced and then I kind of went through my own, you know, phase and was, didn't even had, didn't even think about STIs. Yeah. Like, sure. because I never had to think about it. And so then I started like getting freaked out and I would get tested like after every guy versus just, <laughs> Yeah. Versus just like having wow. the conversation before, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> good for you, you know, <laughs> that's good to be proactive. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there are so many things you said that I loved. One that I wanted to highlight is, um, you know, when you described the relationship with your husband and the security mm -hmm. there yeah, and, uh, and, and the sort of sexual dynamic. And I will say like one thing I relate to is that the, the relationships I've had where it is that sort of like fireworks, kind of that like very addicting, as you said, sort of passionate sexual connection are the ones that are the most tumultuous, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like where mm -hmm. there's so much conflict, where there's so much like pulling apart and then yeah. smashing back together. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I think that's really interesting. The other thing I loved so much that you said is, and and I'm wondering if you can expand on this and maybe this will kind of get us into Tantra a little bit, yes. but the, um, when you talked about the early stages of polyamory of mm -hmm. like sort of venturing out, but then like, kind of like, Ooh, are we still secure over here? Are we still attacked? Like, and like the image I got in my head, cause I see a relational psychoanalyst. So I'm all about like inner child stuff and whatever, oh, yeah. but it's like, it's like a child that's sort of like wandering off to play on its own and you're looking back like is mom still there like is mom still looking at me like am i still safe here mm. you know and then, yeah. oh okay good yeah she, she still got me so now i can go a little further and play with the other kids like on the jungle gym or something like that you know yeah only i was more uh like I was just, I, I was the kid that just like ran and dove head first into the lake and didn't actually look back. <laughs> yeah. That's mm -hmm. what happened. I was like, peace. And I like, was like shoo, 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 and dove into polyamory. And my, my poor husband was just like, what the fuck? You know, because I, I just was calling in all of these avoidant people that allowed me to just play out that stuff that I wasn't, it was still there. It was still beneath the surface with my, mm -hmm. and it, and it, you know, it comes out in certain ways with my husband and I just not as intense. It actually comes out more now than it did in the, in our, the first five years of our relationship, because I don't, I don't know why really it was, it was just almost like it, it felt very safe and new. And I was able to just like fly under that radar for a really long time of not having to confront those things and just thinking that like I was just super, super healthy when really it was just a way for me to, to not acknowledge those things. Um, mm. And so, so that was really more my experience was that. And then uh, it, it was almost like it was these new people that I put into that role of, you know, of parent of father of whatever and played out that stuff with them. And part of it was because I knew that like my partner, like my husband was going to be there, 
you know, like I knew that I trusted, mm-hmm. but there was one time when we were in therapy because we were, then we got engaged like a couple months after. And then it was like, you know, I was, I was like struggling. I was in love with my, you know, my other partner that I had been, had met and we were together for a bit and I was in love with him and I was about to marry my husband. And I was like, what the hell is happening to me? And my, our therapist was like, to my husband was like, how long are you going to wait for her? Basically, he didn't say that these words, but basically to get her shit together. And he, my husband was like, as long as it takes. Mm. And, you know, and like, yeah, like if it was, if it got to a point, I know that he would advocate for himself and walk out, but it was because he trusted that I would. And I did, you know, I did get my shit together in that way. Um, and, and to be able to really show up in that relationship. Um, but now I understand that, that it was, it was all about the attachments and the trauma and all of that stuff. That's all mm-hmm. that, that it was about. Yeah. That we have to sort of like play these things out with other yes. people as, and, and that's, and that's often very painful, but often a okay. gift because we can see it now, you know, like. Yeah. Are you finding yourself being drawn to more secure partners now outside of you know, within your polyamorous relationships? A little bit. Um, I find that yes and still no. I, I still find some of the same stuff playing out. Um, I, I'm someone I'm seeing right now is, you know, more connects with like anxious actually and, and secure. Um, but with me, other kind of things come out because I'm, I'm anxious. And so I, even if somebody identifies this as one way, like you can bring out other pieces of people. Right. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. you know, yeah. we're, we're in the middle of kind of um, discovering the best way to support ourselves and support each other. That the difference between this current relationship that I'm exploring in that way and the other ones is that we're both aware of our shit and the way that we are showing up and the way that we are projecting onto each other when we do that. And, we are owning ourselves and we're not blaming the other, but we're also recognizing the ways that we can trigger each other. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's for me is what has changed. You know, I'm, I still have anxious moments. I still have um, these moments where I feel like I'm going to spiral, where I feel like I'm activated and uh, dysregulated in those ways, because oftentimes this is what happens when we're in relationships, especially when we're insecure attachment style, like it happens, right? What's different now, um, because I've really made a choice to start to look at my trauma in a much deeper way and to take an even Mm -hmm. deeper dive than I have in the past, especially with all the Tantra work that I've been doing, which is the deepest work I've ever done, right? And so because of that, I'm, you know, in a relationship right now, you know, an additional relationship where I'm choosing to do things differently, you know, where the person I'm with is asking me to show up differently because that's what they need and to pull back and to not, you know, it's with an anxious person. It's all always like, you know, um, my needs are more important than your needs. <laughs> like help mm. me get my needs met because I feel really unsafe. And if that doesn't happen, you know, and so I don't do that anymore. I own what I need and I recognize I can resource that from myself. And so that's really what's changed um, in the sense of I have attracted a couple relationships where I felt more relaxed, but I'm not really dating that much because COVID. Uh, but, you know, so right now I'm just kind of exploring with one additional person until, you know, summer. But it's, 
it's there was this point where I'm like, oh, okay, I healed my shit. I'm good. And now I'm just going to start a- attracting like secure people and it's going to be great. And it's like, nah, not necessarily. Like we don't yeah. ever, we, it's not about getting fixed and it's not about never having the shit that you have. That's your shit is probably always going to be your shit. It's ways to honor that, to see that, to use your tools, to take care of yourself. Like that's the difference in my experience. That's such a beautiful reframe because I've had that moment of like, now I'm healthy enough to attract someone else healthy enough. I've had that moment a thousand times yes. and never been yeah. correct. Right. <laughs> right? right? And I will yeah. say that like, I am attracting people that can show up and also do the work. And so mm. that is a difference. That's a mm, massive yeah. difference that both mm-hmm. of us can talk about it and know it and see it and call it out. That's huge. But I'm not, it's, it's not like, you know, we're all just like, oh, now we're healed. Now we're great. Now I'm going to call in all the people. That, because again, we all got trauma. We all got shit. Even if you've been in therapy for like 10 years, it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. like you still don't have stuff. Because oftentimes if you are choosing to heal, you are continuously going through deeper, deeper layers and levels. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I have had essentially like three serious partners and then Mm -hmm. a lot of like situationships or whatever. (laughs) But I would say my last partner, even though it wasn't an extremely healthy relationship, it was the healthiest (laughs) of the three relationships and all the situationships, you know, Mm -hmm. and because he did, you know, he had some work to do and I had done a lot of work, but still had some work to do, but it was new for him. And I asked him to, to show up and to work on things. And he did, hmm. but yeah. it just, I, there was just still too much anxious avoided going on and yep. it, it didn't work, you know? And, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because again, like I, I was the healthiest version of myself, even though he would probably laugh at that, but I was like the healthiest version of myself in this relationship. You know, yeah. which makes me feel bad for all the other guys <laughs> of like how I was showing up. And like, I really like what you said about the anxious attachment style is like, wait, hold on. But you need to meet my needs for me to feel safe. It is. It is. It is a little bit um like selfish. That style oh, is very totally. selfish totally, because all I don't selfish just in different yes. ways. But, but that's why it triggers the avoidance, right? Because the avoidance is like, well, you're not meeting any of my needs and I don't really even know how to express that. And you're being super needy. So I'm going to bounce, you know? Yes. And that's the difference, you know, with the the partner that I'm seeing now, probably should have had a conversation with him before I got on this podcast, but, (laughs) 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 but the, um, the difference that now is that like, he's actually asking for stuff like he's like this is what happens when you ask me for this and this is and this is what I need and this mm. is why I need it and mm-hmm. no one's actually ever done that before like no one's ever actually been like this is what I need and this is why I need it and mm-hmm. that for me personally is a game changer because what I am great at is empathy and mm. is, is understanding someone's needs and offering them compassion. I mean, it's literally my job. It's what I do. And so when somebody can come at, to me and say, you know, really understand, because what happens in an anxious space is that it's like, 
oh, you want to pull away or you need time or you need whatever it is that you're asking for, not asking for, just taking without asking for it. Um, I'm going to see that an anxious person is going to see that as rejection, as abandonment. And it's going to feel super, super unsafe. Like I was in a uh, relationship um, with an ex. It was the most horrific uh, heartbreak I've ever had. We, he broke up with me four days after I married my husband, after our wedding, like it mm-hmm. was horrible. And the entire relationship, I was activated, triggered, the whole relationship because that was happening and he didn't know how to explain, right? Like I tend to attract accommodators because I'm really good at saying, these are my needs. This is what I need. I know what I need to feel safe. So this is what you need to do to make me feel safe, which is not fair to me. That's not like, that's not anybody's responsibility to make me feel safe is Security important, yes. Is is healthy attachment important? Yes. But it's not, you know, I mean, it was like to the point where like if you don't send me three kiss emojis, well then I'm gonna think something's wrong. Like that, I mean, I'm like I am the same way. I am the same way. I like everything you're saying, like, and you're right, because I'm (laughs) so I am so good at communicating my needs. Like I have that down. And so I find these guys who they don't know how to communicate their needs, but they're more than happy to try and, and then they become resentful. Oh, super resentful or just start to shut down because it's too much, you know, because it's that accommodator. And that's, see, that's the thing is a lot of times, and you know, I was, I was listening to, um, to Mark Groves today, um, create the love. He has a podcast. He's amazing. And they were talking about this a little bit and I was just like, yes, like I was so, I was so resonating with it because it's a lot of times it's like the anxious, you know, the anxious ones. It's like, well, like I feel really anxious and this is, this is like, this is really hard. And it's like, it is also really hard to be an accommodator or to be avoidant. They don't, don't normally or always go hand in hand, but you know, to like want to meet someone else's needs and feel that that's what you have to do. But like, know that like, you want to be in your autonomy and have healthy boundaries and like don't want to meet every single need that that person has because you don't feel like that's fair for you. Like that's also really, really challenging. It's just that those people tend not to talk about it as much. Right. And so it's recognizing that just because like I'm the one that can be like, Oh, this is really hard and I feel triggered in this and I need to feel safe. The, the person on the other end of that also oftentimes that's, you know, if they're not securely functioning, need to feel safe as well. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's just the other, it's the same coin. It's just a different side. And so when we can have empathy with each other, when we can really start to see each other and recognize that most of the stuff that's happening between us has nothing to do with the person in front of us or people in front of us. It has to do with ourselves. It has to do with our own pain, our own trauma, our own insecurities, our own fears, our own rejections, our own abandonment, whatever it is, whatever it is, it has to do with that. And when we can take um, ownership of that, not ownership in the sense of like, it's mine and this is my flag and I'm going to fly it and I'm going to be the victim, but ownership in the sense that we recognize like, this is my shit and I'm going to love, I love myself with this shit, right? I love, and, and I'm not going to try to take these pieces and stamp them out. I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. because they're not going anywhere. They're there because they're there to protect me. But oftentimes I can, I can show up as me as not as this child or as this, you know, whatever it is inside of me that's running amok, like straight up and taking the wheel and 
swerving it. So I'm like about to hit a tree, right? I'm like, no, no, I'm going to take that wheel. I'm going to drive this car because I'm a sovereign being and I am going to advocate for myself and care for myself so that when I'm in front of someone else and in relationship with them, I can show up from a space of integrity and a space of communication and a space of love because that's really what it's about. Mm. Mm. Lovely. Uh, okay. I really want to get into tan. Ta- is it tantra, tantra or tantra? Tantra. tantra. Okay. I think tantra. Um, because this is kind of like the intimacy part, but it's not necessarily, is it sexual? No, not all, not really, not inherently, um, not the kind. So this, the first, the first thing we have to, to know is that there are so many different types of Tantra out there and not all of them are the same. A lot of what we see in Western, um, in Western society is, in the West is Neo-Tantra, which oftentimes really is just like sacred sexuality. Sometimes it's called Tantra. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, of good stuff that comes out of that stuff. The kind of Tantra that I do is lineage based, right? And so the lineage that I work with, which is called the Shangpa Kagyu lineage, it derived from Tibet and it's 2,600 years old and it's, you know, it's passed down through transmission, you know, through student to teacher. It's not, there's not a ton of shit written about it. Right. And it's, it's mm. rooted in a, you know, in the Bon religion, which was the indigenous religion of Tibet. Right. And so, um, this form of Tantra, the purpose of it is healing, right? The purpose of it is healing. And so <clears throat> there are sexual practices that are part of it, but really the, the, the medicine, uh, you know, the, the actual, what Tantra means, the word Tantra means to weave, W-E-A-V-E, right? To weave, like you're weaving a tapestry and you're just weaving, it's weaving light with sound, or I'm sorry, light and sound with form. And so you're doing these meditations, which connect to these elements, right? And we know that there's five elements, you know, fire and earth and space and air and, um, and water. Um, sometimes people work with four, we work with five. This isn't, you know, unique to, to, to this, this is, you see this all over the world. Um, but the way that we work with these, these, um, elements is, you know, this is, this is Eastern medicine, right? This is Eastern medicine. And so in, you know, in these, like this is given, like these meditations that are thought that, you know, thought to be about 17,000 years old, that's old. That means that they are, it's medicine, like it's potent. And so in, when I started doing Tantra, you know, I have been meditating for years. Like I've been teaching yoga for 17 years. Like I was like, yeah, good. Okay. I'll do some meditations. And then I started doing them and I was like, holy shit, what is this? Because this is not a regular meditation. Mm. This is tapping into some pre-mortal stuff that is like potent and powerful. And, and what it does is it, you know, it's, it's shamanic healing. It's, it's, it's using these meditations and working with these symbols, right? These colors and these sounds through mantra through our and weaving it through our physical body to heal something called obscurations, right? To heal the effects of trauma, to heal the effects of, um, of our conditioning and all of this stuff. It's believed that we are born as, um, you know, these infinite beings. And as we go through life and we learn that, 
sometimes love is conditional and sometimes we don't feel safe as children because, you know, our parents are doing the best they can, but oftentimes they have trauma. We start to form these obscurations that obscure us from this, this purity, from this deep consciousness that we all have. It doesn't go away. It doesn't get hurt. It just gets covered. And so a big piece of the work that I do um, is, is that, is working with this, this medicine. Like that's really the tantra is that, mm. is this, these, this elemental um, work and healing and meditations. Um, a broader sense of, of the definition of tantra is just, it's a spiritual um, science that is designed to transform consciousness right? Mm. It transforms our consciousness. And, and through that, we can uh, begin to rewire the nervous system and, um, you know, really heal. Like it's a different way of healing. It's not, it's not Western healing, right? It's not. Mm -hmm. It's Eastern healing. And this, mm -hmm. you can see this, you know, in acupuncture, you can see this in some, some forms of yoga, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. a different, in Ayurveda, right? it's a different way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm really curious because when you speak about like sort of this work kind of rewiring the nervous system. Yeah. So, you know, like we're familiar and we, we've talked about trauma a lot on the sure. show and and the way in which it's sort of stored in the body and yeah. the way in which to release it, like a lot of times very embodied. Yes. Like therapies or practices or whatever. Yep. And so can you talk about sort of I that can. link and maybe like a little bit about what that because it sounds like your journey into Tantra opened up a lot of stuff for you that Absolutely. even though you had been doing all this other stuff. So yep. yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, you know, the, like I said, the, the format that I work with is a lineage based, um, but the, the actual um, methodology, the Institute that I work with is called authentic Tantra and authentic Tantra um, was created by, by a woman, you know, her name is Davy Ward and it's, it has these different modalities within it. Right. And so there's mm -hmm. meditation, there's connection, there's movement, and then there's pleasure. Right. And so um, the meditations work with the energy body. Like in Eastern medicine, the energy body is senior to all the other stuff. So get the energy first, go there. Right. And the, the way that we, this happens is there's nadis, there's 84,000 nadis or energy channels. Nadi just means channel through our entire body connected to uh, chakras. Right. Chakra means mm -hmm. wheel or disc. So, um, different, different, um, mm -hmm. philosophies work with different chakra systems. So we don't have to get into that, but just know that like, regardless of the chakra system, there are these energy rivers, right? Meridians that run through the body. And so when we're doing the meditations that I mentioned, that's the healing. Like this, this energy starts to come from the chakras and flow through the nadis and starts to clear the obscurations and the, you know, kind of like a kink in the hose. So that's one piece, right? And meditation in general can start to create that repatterning, right? You're just you're just starting to kind of shift those neural pathways, so to speak. You're learning how to relax with focus, with presence. Then there's another piece of the work that we do, which is the pleasure piece, right? And so pleasure is wildly healing. And it's so like, it's just so wild to me that people, you know, really push away pleasure a lot of times because there's a lot of guilt around having pleasure, around feeling pleasure. And I don't just mean sexual pleasure. I mean pleasure in general. So what pleasure does, first of all, 
Um, pleasure gives us, you know, all those good chemicals that allow us to be fully functioning, you know, self-adjusted humans that love, you know, oxytocin, serotonin, yeah. dopamine, all of these things, not just sexual pleasure. However, when we are in a space of, of um, extended, and I do mean extended, not like a two second, you know, climactic orgasm, but extended sexual pleasure, um, we are, those, those chemicals are flooding our system at much, much higher percentages, actually three to 400% more than mm. if not during extended states of sexual arousal. And that can be tremendously healing. Our brain, all parts of the brain are firing, right? And so this starts to become a more sustainable way to create shifts, right? To create, so a lot of times trauma, uh, Trauma keeps us from experiencing. Um, it fucks with our with our um, our neural pathways. It, it it fucks with the receptors, right? Um, mm. It can be damaging, and so that's why a lot of times addictions are formed, right? Mm. Because we're looking for those chemicals that aren't coming anymore or aren't coming the mm. way that they're supposed to, and you get that quick fix and that hit. What pleasure does is it actually helps to create regulation in the nervous system. When, you know, when done in a way of, of kind of what I'm talking about, these like extended states. And so this starts to create a sustainable way to create a repatterning and a rewiring because we're starting to get those healthy chemicals back into our bodies, right? At these extended states. And we're starting to then create that repatterning, that rewiring. Now there's something else that, that, you know, I work with as well, which is, and you, you mentioned this, um, somatic, right? This, that's really mm -hmm. of the body, right? Trauma isn't stored in the brain or in our memories. It's stored in our bodies that, you know, that you've, I'm sure you've heard the issues are in the tissues, right? Because they are, they're literally in our, in our nervous system, locked in and in our, our cells, our tissues, our bodies, and, and specifically our genitals as well. Right? Mm. And so the part of the work that I do is sexual somatic healing. So what is somatic healing? All somatic healing really is, not all it is, because it's pretty freaking amazing, but what it is, is it's combining either movement or touch. In this case, it's touch with breath and awareness. And so, for example, um, there's something called tantric masturbation that we do um, that is a 90-minute to two-hour-long sexual healing practice that, yes, is can be done for, for pleasure. And, you know, you can – I had, I don't know, eight, nine, ten orgasms, more than that. Like, it's amazing. But it's also somatic because what you're doing is there's this particular breath that we do that engages the ventral vagal pathway, which is the space within our nervous systems that allows us to feel connected and safe and, you know, grounded and regulated. And so we're doing these sexual practices, a sexual practice. There's these mudras for both male and female or, uh, penis owners and, and vulva owners, right? And we're engaging in these particular ways of, of touching ourselves, right? Very specific. And shit just starts to come up. Like memories come up, emotions come up, and we breathe mm. through them. We mm. breathe. We use this breath, 
right, to see and to bear witness to it. And then we cultivate the awareness. We don't shut back down. We don't go into, a, you know, the fight or flight response or a dorsal response of freeze, right? Instead, we're like, I'm going to be present to this. I'm going to be in this ritual, this container that I've created for myself so that I can begin to heal. That for me was a game changer. It was like deeply, deeply profound to recognize that I love talk therapy and I do talk therapy and I will continue to do it because it's very powerful. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, I highly recommend it. And also somatic healing is different because it's getting into the body and you don't need to even know what you're releasing for it to release. You don't need to know. You don't have to have the story around it. It just can go. Wow. That's, that's so incredible. Right. And, and so where I thought, I mean, first, I feel like we've hit about 50% of the things that we've wanted to talk about. With you, So we'll need to have you back. But, sure. but for today, I'm wondering if a nice place to wrap up because you do a lot of, you know, coaching work, and it, it seems to be focused a lot on empowerment. And I think a lot of what you just shared speaks to that. But could you tell our listeners, like, how they can find you and, 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 you know, a little bit more about the type of work you do that, that helps people find that their power in those ways. Yeah. So the work that I do really, I always say it's, it's transformation. It's, you know, I hold space for people to bear witness to themselves and to move through, um, their trauma, move through their, um, limiting beliefs. Um, and, and I've just started to hone in a little bit more specifically, uh, to sex now and to sexual liberation. Now, does that mean that everything I do is around, around sex? No, actually, no. Like most of the work that I do with, with clients, we don't even necessarily talk about sex. Do I give them some sexual practices to do? Like the one I just told you about? Yes. But to me, that's more just about a way to create, it's just a, a tool for healing. It's a tool for, for um, rewiring the nervous system and repatterning and, you know, coming into a space where we are, we're healing uh, our, our, our stories and our trauma. And so, um, yes, like, can I work with somebody that has um, vaginismus or orgasmia? Yes. Can I work or anorgasmia? Or can I work with someone who has premature ejaculation or ED? Yes. I can do all those things as well, right? Um, but what I tend to gravitate towards is that deeper healing, right? That journey, that isn't just going to be complete in like six sessions, but is going to really mm -hmm. commit to understanding who we are, what we want, how we can really allow ourselves to fully and deeply and ultimately thrive and live unapologetically. Hmm. Hmm. Do you do at right now? Are you doing sessions like through zoom? Yeah, I, I, and I will continue. It's really, that's just the, because I work with people all over. So, um, so yeah, so my sessions are virtual, um, and I'm also, you know, I'm in the middle of a huge relaunch, which is coming up very soon, probably, hopefully <gasps> yeah. by the time that, that this is out. Um, and so I'm going to be offering a lot of group sessions too, which are going to be fun. I'm going to do sexual liberation for vulva owners, sexual reinvention for penis owners, which is about how they can become multi-orgasmic. And I'm doing a course on polyamory, integrated love, like all these kind of things to really empower people to live the life that they want to live because it's, it's, it's so there. It's so available to us. Mm. Mm. We don't seek it out enough. 
That's awesome. So how do the people find you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Instagram is my jam. Uh, it's at sexually underscore liberated, right? So you sexually liberated with just that underscore in between. Um, and then Brittany right, is my is my website. Um, and there's um, some cool free things, five uh, ways to sexual communication. Um, I talk about there's another um free gift that's 14 orgasms for vulva owners 14 different orgasms for penis owners so there's some cool shit i'm in interested there. in that <laughs> right? yes, and yes there are so i'm many interested in that two hour session <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 well <laughs> Well, thank you so much. You've been absolutely wonderful, so open, so eloquent and poised, and we just really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is great. super fun. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you, Brittany, so much for coming on the show. That was absolutely fantastic. We appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Yes. And like so many, so many like conversations that like we want to pick up and delve more into and like all that stuff. So definitely, definitely. Um, So guys, make sure again to go follow her on Instagram at sexually underscore liberated and you can find all of her other stuff. We'll have it in the show notes too, so you can go find it. And I think really quick before we sign off for this week, we want to just say what we're grateful for. Um, so I'll go first. Yes, you go first. Okay. So I am grateful for tea. Oh, man, <laughs> tea is so it's the best. It's the I'm like having I'm at, I'm on like a multiple cups of tea every single day. I love like tea. Habit. Are you doing like caffeinated tea? Like what's your tea regime? So in the mornings it's like caffeinated like um a matcha or a chai at early afternoon maybe caffeinated and then we're talking like after 3 p.m we're going to like mint like a mint tea i like a a mint tea Mm -hmm. that's for like digestive help (laughs) right now my Mm -hmm. tea is a mint with a chamomile blend so for sleepy time yes Mm mm-hmm Yes, I like that. So I don't, yeah, because sleepy time is a type of tea, but I think sweet dreams is the one that I like, mm. which is the mint chamomile. Mm-hmm. That's a good nighttime. I'm a big rooibos tea, aka red tea. So I, I almost never have caffeine. So that's my like during oh, the day tea. Yes. So it's like an herbal, but it's like full of antioxidants, mm-hmm. but like naturally caffeine free yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, there's and just, then, yeah. Yeah, and then I'll, yeah. And you can like, you can drink tea and do anything. Like it doesn't like, like coffee, like might give you like acid reflux or like it fills your, makes you, your tummy hurt or have to go to the bathroom or whatever. And I feel like tea, like you could drink tea and go practice like an hour, excuse me, an hour and a half of like hot yoga, you know? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are you grateful for? I am, well, I'm very grateful that I got the vaccine and I'm very grateful to all the people all over the country who are like doing that and making that possible. And there was like, you know, I think they need like 30 volunteers a day to even make the vaccine site where I went work and stuff like that. So it's so incredible. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, that's a good thing to be grateful for. The more vaccinated people we have, the more faster we can go open up, open up again. 
and go to somewhat yes. normal life, you know? All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been such a delight to have Brittany on. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Lana Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. You can find all of our stuff on our website, www.hellongobypodcast.com. Rate and review, share with a friend, send us a DM, comment on our Facebook or on our Instagram posts, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.